When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to It's Only A Game podcast. I'm Jimmy and I'm joined this afternoon by Matt, Deck and Greg. How are we, gents? Yeah, I'm doing fine. Doing All good this end, but a deja vu, lads, but um, we'll we'll deal with it. Yeah, little peek behind the It's Only A Game towers. Uh, we've had to restart this, but hey, we didn't need to know that's fine. Anyway, so Deck, would you mind introducing our very special guest today, please? Joined by the esteemed Ian Hume, a fantastic domestic and international career, um, somewhat of a, a legend around the Wirral, um, as well as a number of other places uh, around the UK and around the world as well. We'll come on to that a little bit later. Um, Ian, how are we doing? Thanks for having me on. Fantastic. No, no, uh, absolute pleasure. We're, we're blessed to have you. 21-year career, past 100-goal tally, represent your country and so on. What would you say your kind of highlight of your domestic career would be like the your absolute high point i've got a few to be honest obviously making my debut uh fa cup debut at, at everton um was a phenomenal day for Tramia. um for myself as well to play against players like that um at such a young age i think it was just i think it was just 18 um <sighs> Getting a, a move to Leicester City, loved it there. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's there's downsides to everything. Like relegations are horrible, and I hate that. Like obviously yeah. for not 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 just personally, for fans, for clubs, it's it's disgusting. And unfortunately, I was a part of a couple of them. Mm. Um, one one with Leicester, one with with Preston. Two two massive clubs who mm. should never really have been in League One, but down to us on the field, it it happened. Um, and then obviously. The last one with Tranmere, which was disgusting and should never ever have happened. But we could dive into that and talk for ages. But now for me, I think the biggest one was on top of me debut. Um winning League One with, with Doncaster was massive. Um and that was more of a just on a personal thing with how I was treated at Preston. Not not by the club, by the manager. To make me miss out pre-season, not do anything, then let me go out on loan or held out till deadline day to let me go out on loan for a fee that they'd been offered at the start of pre-season, just out of spite. And then for us to go and win the same league, phenomenal. And nothing better than shoving it right up his ass because he was a dick. And I'll be perfectly honest. <laughs> I'll be perfectly honest. And the best part is the Doncaster lads were phenomenal. Like a great... not We... We had good players like David Cottrell, Kyle Bennett, Paul Quinn. We had a phenomenal squad. Robbie Blake, like Robbie Blake, Neil Sullivan. These guys were incredible. And the best part about them wasn't yeah. their ability. It was just a great, like a group of men. And we literally like, <laughs> did it myself. But I think I got split open like four times in seven months on loan. 
but we literally put our lives on the line for each other and it, it came back right on the deadline on the last game no, sorry I can't even believe I missed out James Coppinger but he ended up scoring that goal at Brentford um, that was the that that right there was the best feeling in my career I've won trophies I've I've won personal accolades at clubs. I've won, the, but that moment, I was sitting on the bench. I just I was, got subbed off, and I was yeah. pissed off. And last game of the season, okay. and that happened. That was the best five minutes of my life in football. It was mental. And for them to have a pen, they're not non-regular pen taker takes it. This Marcelo Trotter or whatever's what is I know his last name Trotter. I can't remember his first name. But he grabbed the ball off O'Connor, who took every penalty for them for the last like five years. He grabbed the ball. No, I want it. I want it. And he spat his dummy out. Yeah, yeah. And like you got was, the whole was, team was right up against the, the, the yards of Brentford, and then and the big centre back. I think is is it yeah. Harley yeah. Dean or Harvey Dean or yeah. Harley Dean? Yeah, but he's on the sideline, and when they got the pennies jumping around like a kangaroo, and he's all getting in people's faces and and then when he cracked it off the crossbar and the best part is I was on the uh, bench yeah, Billy the, the now. Yeah. at the old at the Griffin Park the old benches used to sit there and they were low and they are right by the halfway line and Billy Painters literally sat or squatting in front of their bench with his shirt over his head like devastated and when he hit the crossbar and then Paul Quinn cleared it Paints stood up and it was like there and just watching it go down, and then you see Coppinger chasing down. He just galloped down the wing, and the rest is history. But yeah, that sorry, I've, I've elaborated far too much on that. But yeah, that I'm going with that as the best moments of my career domestically. I've actually got a question from a, a Tromia mate of mine. He said I texted him about an hour ago, and said, well, "By the way, we have got Ian here on the podcast tonight." And he goes, "Oh, brilliant! Can you talk it for you going against Bolton in the FA Cup?" Yes. Wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad it, is it? I watched the what, what a strike that was. Unreal. Unreal. In fairness, I did it in the next round can, as well. You can elaborate on this as much as you want, Ian. Um, I'm all ears. It, that was just the occasion, just to do it at. Obviously, we were expected to get beat at home by them. Hmm. Um, and we should have beat them. And then we go for the replay. And we should have beat them. And we did beat them, but. We should have beat them in regular time. And then it was, it was just mad because the kickoff was, we got the ball and I just went on a run. <laughs> and lo and behold, my left foot, I'm right footed. <laughs> but it, it, <laughs> Is it one of those goals that when you hit it, you Yeah, I cracked it. And I think it was, uh, I think it was Kevin Poole in goal. And I cracked it. And it's, it's the same as the one against... The one against Swansea, as soon as I hit it, you know within, you know it's going, and if not, it's an incredible yeah, save. It's a feeling with it. But it was, it was just the whole occasion being at Reebok, and like my mum and dad were there. That's the first time they'd seen me score, and because um, every time they came over, I was either injured or didn't score or got subbed off or whatever. And that that one there was the first one they'd seen me score, and I just cracked it and on a shit field. Like the Reebok back then was terrible, but again, again, so so was Pretton Park. And by the way, from everyone listening, rest in peace, Andy Quayle was what an incredible lad, what an incredible groundsman. And I knew him for, well, yeah. 20 years. Um, so yeah. sorry, so sorry to hear he, he passed away last week. 
and condolences to his family. Um, but yeah, I, I feel the shit. <laughs> one one thing about one thing about Quayley, loved him to death, but our pitch was always shite. <laughs> we we literally, and that's why we always got the ball wide and put it in the box because that was the only grass on the field was for Ryan Taylor and Ben Connors. <laughs> Gareth Roberts and Ian yeah. Goodison just running up the wings and putting it in. Yeah. <laughs> I love this is going to sound really bad. Just turned 30 years of age. You're off that era when I was sort of teenage years where it was cheap for us to go in to get this tram. It was usually a couple of quid on a Tuesday night. And there's likes of yourself, Ian Goodison's name. I, I love watching Ian Goodison play. Absolute man mountain. He's part of that squad of players that, even not as a tram fan, I still love going to watch it. Um, yeah, you always track me to play. It was always different. It's what we were better to watch at Everton. <laughs> well, oh god, yeah, yeah absolutely. It was, it was around that. Well, yeah, better Everton. True, wasn't much in it. I don't know. It was, it was, it was you or Rooney, mate. We weren't quite sure yeah, which one was going to watch. You guys made the wrong call there. No, I, I, I often think about that era of squad, and um, and think you know if we if we had the likes of you and and Cody and so on now. Like what kind of if you could kind of amalgamate that kind of seven or eight years mm. of those class players would be flying, especially on that new pitch of ours now. Jesus Christ! You think about the the players we had, um, and I know the game's evolved. Um, it's a lot more athletic. We were in a massively athletic team, but we played decent football and we played to our strengths. We had so you think about it: Ryan Taylor, Paul Hall, um, Sean Connolly when he was there, um, Chief. Before that was just just at the end of my time, but like Ruben Hazel was class. He was athletic. Um, Ian Sharps, Paul Inwood, Danny Harrison, Alan Navarro, um, myself, Simon Howarth, Eugene Daddy, Chrissy Greenacre, Calvin Zola, um, yeah. Johnny Actorberg, Joe Murphy. You think about these players. We had Russell Howarth. Who was a, we had a backup keeper who was in England under twenty one. Like it's, it's mental and. You think about the teams we had, and you you put that in the modern day. We might not have well, Jason McAtee, Mark Rankin, Mickey Mellon can't miss them out, but you you put that into context with now, and everything's so athletic, and everything's this and that. And it, it, listen, football's evolved, and it's good to watch sometimes. But every team looks the same. Every team plays similar style football, and it's it, everything's a chess match. You're not allowed to battle the way we used to. Like you think about some of the tackles that used to fly in. We'd have eight red cards every week in our league, like not not because they were dirty, just because it's the way the game's gone. Everyone, yeah, you never get you never get a four ninety in these days with those trifles. No, every everyone everyone yep. and complaining about everything. Everyone surrounds the refs. Everyone complains to the the fourth official, the linesman, the to everything. After games, if you got told you're you're a prick by a fan, you go and complain. Piss off. Grow up. Like seriously, it it does my head in. Like it's we're such a soft generation now, and I'm not saying the players. I mean everything. Everything right now is so soft, and everyone complains. There's always something to complain about. Stop. Mm. Like you're playing a game. What you want? You want me? Like yeah. imagine like when we drew against Millwall in the FA Cup, uh, the Den. We were getting death threats on the on the the coach. Like they were there was hundreds of fans outside the coach like slitting their throats and all that, and. Imagine that now. Well, it'd be it'd be video put all over social media, which I think has had a big part to do with that kind of mentality these days. And and yeah, you you absolutely, oh, massively. Massively. you know, it's got a lot of power. Good to social media, but at the same yeah. time, it's it's it 
for all the good it can do, it can do a lot of negativity as well. And I think, but it's not getting used no. for all the good. It's getting used for, like, yeah. and I, I don't say this, like, protecting myself, but it gets used for people taking advantage mm-hmm. of people. You go into, like, players going into a bar, oh, my God, I can't believe that guy was having a beer. Why? He's a fucking human. Like, seriously, I'm, I'm a normal bloke, and I didn't give a shit. After the game, I was in the I was in the suite for a beer. Then I was in the clipper for a couple of beers, and then I was home. I, I was literally play my game, work my ass off. And maybe, hey, everyone goes, oh, yeah, that, that'll be why you carried weight. I carried weight because I carried weight. End of. I, I ate well. I was, in, I was in digs, but I went for a bloody drink. I enjoyed it after the game. And you still got through a Les Parry pre-season every year, Ian, too. You couldn't have been that unfit. <laughs> I also played 600 games. Yeah, so, yeah so. exactly. Like, Proof of the if button, I played 200 games and I was always injured, then I understand. But they forget that we're, okay, we're, we're very privileged. And I, I love and I'm so grateful for the career I had and the life I've had. But I'm still human and I, I'm, I still have my, my traits of a normal man. I want to go out and have a drink. I want to go out and have a meal. I want to go out and go to a party. I want to go to a club. I like, I, I spend time with my family. Do, I do all that. I don't need you videotaping me and, oh my God, did no. you see this? Piss off. Like, seriously. No. It and, does annoy me that whenever you see The work is all these social And the one thing I say about social media, I love it because it keeps me in contact with a lot of people that I may never speak to. But everyone should be accountable for what they have. Like, if you have a Twitter account or an Instagram account or Facebook, you should be accountable for with yourself, with your ID, whether it be your passport, your your driver's, a government ID, so you have one, and then anything happens, it comes back on you. Now you have fucking people with 18 different accounts, and they're all spam accounts, but they go around and they they slander people, and they, they abuse people, mm-hmm. and it, like all this racial abuse would be gone, or not, sorry, that's, that's right. It wouldn't be gone, but it would be calm down a hell of a lot if everyone is accountable for an account mm-hmm. yeah I've always said with social media it gives everyone a voice which is equally good and equally <laughs> bad because some people I'm not saying people don't deserve a voice but some people's voices don't need to be heard as much as other people's but, yeah. Yeah. but yeah sorry I yeah. went over it on yeah. that and it, and it, yeah. no 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 it, it does fire me up when you see like you know oh how is this person out with their family on a Sunday or how is this player going for a drink we lost at the weekend well yeah, the players, obviously, you, the result affects you, but you can't be expected to sit in your house and just stew over it for, until the next game. You've, you've got to have a life at the end of the day. You know, whenever we have a bad day at work, we can't just sit in our room and stew over it and, you know, whatever we have, we still get on with your life and try and get past it. It's a coping way. And, you you know, so how can we expect footballers to not be human? It's ridiculous. But, you know, and yet people, as you say, it's about accountability. They hold footballers to a higher level of accountability than we do our politicians, for example. But that's a different conversation altogether. How long have we got? And, and we yeah, could exactly. be here for a very long time on that one. <laughs> I love nothing more. And we're back onto politics. Well, we always get onto politics. When I was at Tramir, even the second time there, um, I love nothing more. I wasn't playing much. Whatever. Mickey Adams, whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm not letting that dampen my feeling for the club because I was at Wembley watching the club. I was at the two Wembley finals, never lost. So I'm um, whatever. So every time I was there and I was at like when I came back from India and all that in Spain, I was I was at Wembley with the fans. But I love nothing more after the game. 
going for a quick beer, getting a Chinese takeaway, and then maybe have a night out. But that's after win, lose, or draw. Not because I'm celebrating, because I'm having my weekend. Me and my, if me and my wife wanted to go out for a meal and have a couple of drinks, it's not celebration. It's just me being Ian. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it, it's the generation we're in right now is it's extremely how to be PC with this. It's extremely soft. Judgmental. There you go. That's a good word. Yeah. A couple other yeah. words I could say, but I think I'd get a lot of backlash. And it's it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it, yeah, you're absolutely well, right, Ian. And as you're saying, you know, there's, there's certain things that everyone deserves to be and is entitled to be protected by 100% on and off the field. But I agree that, as you were saying earlier on, on the field, I think things have gone a little bit too far the other way. In te- you know, not in terms of the big issues, 100% they don't belong in the game. But, you know, it's, it's constant and it's creeping down to our level now. I used to wind my mates up, we were all premiership club fans and whatnot and I'd say right come to Tranmere and watch a proper game and you know get involved and you know the players here and they'll live a bit back I always remember like Kevin Ellison um my dad stood up one day and gave him a mouthful and uh Kevin Ellison just turned around and slapped his head back to my dad and was pointing at him as if to say like we're twins and all that you know and it, that kind of like you know banter and stuff isn't there now there's just not those characters we we saw a lot of it when we went non-lead and you know like see Norwoods and Andy Cooks and um, and so on, who, you know, real characters. And I think that brought a bit of a fresh breath of air back into the club. And as you say, like the judgmental side of the fans and stuff kind of went a little bit. Um, but it is all, all these clubs now that they are 100% professional all of the time. doesn't matter whether you're playing Conference North or Premiership, you're in the public eye. And, and it's it's not good for the players. It's not also not good for the fans. You know, you, you turn up, you see, yeah, see the players play, they represent your club. It's and changed it. a lot. I don't um, particularly yeah. like it. To an extent, obviously, still love football and love watching football, and I'll watch it. I'll, I'll, I'll probably go downstairs and turn on my TV, and if there's a game on, I'll sit and watch. It doesn't matter what it is. So I'm not going to change that stance on it. But there's certain parts of it; it's gone extremely soft and extremely. Like, <laughs> it, it tickles me with some of these tackles. Oh, he was VAR. He sent him off. You were never in control of your you. Your your tackle, or you went in with your studs up. How the flaming hell do you slide without your studs up? How do you think people break their legs? Because they slide and the studs get caught in the ground. If that's the case, make every game on turf, <laughs> everywhere around the world, and everyone has to wear flats. <laughs> if, if if they want to stop people tackling, because you can't slide tackle, you you went in without concern of the other player. No, I fucking didn't. I wanted to win yeah. the ball. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going to go through your knees. But I'm going to slide through the ball and do everything I can to win it. And again, yeah. again, this, this one goes on forever. Hundred percent, and that from from what, watching yeah. you over the years, and you know, you you gave hundred yeah. percent to every tackle, header, every fifty-fifty. Everything. You didn't care. You were going up against six foot no. four centre back or a winger or whatever. You just the ball was there to be won. Okay, well, at the same time, when you came off, is a battle. You battle for everything in life. In the rest face moment, so, you know to mean? be honest, no. I'm doing it in my job. Like, <laughs> and I, I listen. I never treated it as a job. When I did, that's when I stopped. Because um, it's not a job for me. It's it was my love, and I'm sorry, but if if I'm wanting to be successful in what I was doing, I was doing everything to blunt, and I was doing everything I could to make sure I won it. 
But I know you might get some comments from guys who played with me in the youth team. I was a bit of a fanny. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I, I, learned, I, learned, I learned my trade. I learned my trade. I got, I got the shit kicked out of me lots of times. And I learned my trade. I learned how to grow up. I learned as soon as I came into the first team and into the reserves, I learned that I had to play harder. And I definitely wasn't that when I first came. I was just a whippet when I came over. I was fast. I was decent striker of the ball, good crosser of the ball. But I was skinny and scared of my own shadow. So I grew into it. I, I learned how to, to grow up and turn into a man. And thank you to all the boys that I played with who still wind me up to this day. But it's still a matter of I learned it and I, I grew into it. A lot of players, they expect to be wrapped in cotton wool by referees and, and everything. And I think that's even worse at the top stage because you got so many cameras on you and you see people cheating all the time and it drives me nuts but yeah, yeah. well um, that's it you hear about oh we had the right to go down and things like that and that, that kind of phrase annoys me because it's like who has the right to go down it's either a tackle or it's you know or it's you know it's foul or it's not you know and obviously we've seen you know in another interview this week with a footballer the level of entitlement that can be had because that person's not you know I'll say yeah. this on air. I don't yeah. give a shit. I don't care how good he is and he's the best player, mm-hmm. possibly uh-huh. to a lot of players, the best player the world's ever seen. Uh-huh. But that is... Wrong. He needs to put his shit back in the pram. Uh-huh. He's spatted out big time and it's so so disrespectful. And listen, I'm not a United fan. I don't care. I'm not a Real Madrid fan. I don't care. They... The way and to go with that vile human being to do an interview like that. I, I think mm. it's bang out of order. And it's not fair to his fans as a as a player and as a as an idol. It's not fair to Man United fans. It's not fair to to anybody who works or plays at Man United. And to, to hear people saying he's entitled to his view, why? Not when you're contracted because you're now you, you're, you're no. trying to get sacked. And the thing is, if it was me, and I don't care if I get backlash off, if it was me, I'd make him sit. Make him wait out another six months of his career of his until he's a bit Absolutely. older after the World Cup sorry buddy unless you're getting every every cent of his contract paid up I wouldn't sack him hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The issue he's got there is he's also shot himself in the foot because no club is going to want him. Under what pretense? Unless you make your own club and you become the owner, who's going to want it? The money he's got, you could his own club. Club. If what other respectable club in Europe, around the world, etc. It's going to want someone who at the flip of a switch decides, ah, oh, this isn't for me. And goes, and, yeah, Piers Morgan of all people. I, yeah, that's a podcast in itself. But yeah, yeah. it's on. It's, and, it's tonight, isn't it? It goes out like, today, yeah. I should say, or oh. the first half it comes out. I, I've got no interest oh, yeah. in it. I, I actually I do because I want, I, wanted yeah. to, I want to give myself more reason to agree that Messi's the best ever. I don't say this because I don't respect him for what he's done in the game because it, you can't even question it and he, he no, is no, an absolute no, he's phenomenal but footballer. this is wrong he's mm-hmm. he's got 
what, 75 million people follow him on social media. And they'll all see this. And because they're so starstruck and they, they're so driven into being his fan that they'll think it's right and it's not. Like, I, I was funny enough, just before I came on here, I was, I was on uh, Dazzin. Well, I think it was Dazzin. I was, on, I was on my TV downstairs. And there was a thing about mm. uh, Premier League legends and it was when United had just won or just clinched their first, their first Premier League title. And Schmeichel was getting sacked by Fergie because he had a shouting match with him in the change room. And Fergie pulled him in on the Monday and told him, you're fired. Like, as soon as I can get you out, you're gone. And this is the best keeper in the world at the time. Mm. Imagine imagine if this came out when Fergie yeah, was in charge. Yeah. Like Beckham, got a, Beckham got a boot in the head. It, it ever would have done. It never would have come out. He was, he was so in control of what happened. He would have known it was going on anyway. But that's it. Before that's it got started. Yeah. Sorry, Fergie. No. But that's it. Sorry, I don't, I don't want to go too deep okay, into this, but for what he did on a football yeah. inside of things, it's, yeah. it's so it wrong on so many levels, and I hope everyone notices it because <laughs> you do have your you do have your your Ronaldo tinted glasses on when you're a massive fan of him. But I just think he's he's gone so so over the line. I I just hope they make him pay for it. I hope they make him sit. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Nah, of course. No, I mean you'll you'll know Ian from like you know obviously you played under many managers. Some you got on with, some you didn't. Some who played, just some who didn't. You know, um, but you have to respect at the time the decisions of the manager, whether you agree with them or not, whether you like them or not. You know, and you know quite clear there's a few that you've not liked in the past. We can go on for that if you wish. Um, but you, at the same time, you didn't kick up a fuss at the time because it's for the respect of the club and for the, the teammates and the atmosphere around you. To try and keep oh, the peace Trammy, until Rovers, my last time, time where like, you can, I came like back now, where you could vent. Love of the club, and that was the only reason. Like, don't get me wrong, the only reason I came back because I loved it, and I mm. wanted to. Absolutely. If it was going to be my last time in England, I wanted it to be there. And then we played like a shower of shit at York, and I was the only one who got pulled aside for it. And I got. I, and uh, you've literally just pulled that from my mind, as I was going to say, York away was my memory of. Like, obviously, it was just after you'd come back. But you were head and shoulders above anyone else on the pitch. You got pulled, and the rest of the team were basically backed and whatever. And hand on heart, that was the worst performance, I think, I've in what, 22 years or so of watching. That was the worst performance, hands down. And you were just hung well, out Well, I, I went into the change room after, after the game. You know? And I first thing I said when everyone walked through was, sorry, lads, that was the worst I've played in a long time. And I'm... I, I, I'm my biggest critic. I don't need somebody else. Okay, my manager and whatever. But to come in on the Monday and I was, oh, you, you're right. I didn't want to fucking sign you. Blah, blah, blah. You're with the kids now. Or I don't want you around my team. You can go get changed in the, the match day change rooms. So I was exiled to the match day change rooms. And I ended up coming back over and I spoke to Sean Garnett and said, listen, so it's up to you whether you say yes or no. But, do you mind if I train with the, the youth team? So I went train with the youth team. Two months. Trained with the youth team every morning. Came down, not a problem. Another loan signing, another five loan signings, another month signing, another this came in. Didn't work, did it? So it was obviously my fault. But um, but yeah, trained with them. Played some resi games, banged some goals for resis. And next thing I know, 
well, you've got to get him back in. And by then he ran away with his tail between his legs because we were close to relegation. So, oh yeah, literally out the square headed shit bag. Yeah, but no, seriously, he's he's yeah, hard as literally. Yeah, nobody's hard. He's hard as nails, and then calls me in to to tell me that he was getting rid of me, and he goes, "I've got I've got uh, Alan Rogers in here just in case anything happens." I'm like, "What the fuck's gonna happen?" Beat the shit out of you. Like you're my you're my gaffer. <laughs> like I'm not. Like, do you think I'm going to run in and go over, go over the table? Yeah, yeah. But then, then the worst part is, so when I'd done so well for the reserves and that, and trained every day with Garno and the kids, I come back in, he goes, you proved me wrong. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I thought you when I did this, you were going to just spit your dummy out and be a little see you next Tuesday. And I'm like... Obviously, you don't know who I am and what I'm about. Then, like, I just come in and work. I'm listen. I'm not. I'm not special. I never once said that. I'm not some superhuman fucking person. But I've always put my heart and soul on the line for everything. And whether you like me or not, I'll still do the same thing. I won't go out and play shit just to spite you. And oh well, I'm gonna have to bring you back in. He brings me back in, puts me fucking right wing, like. Puts me left wing. I'm like, oh, awesome. So you you're trying to get the best out of me, like. Um, but it and then it just didn't matter. Like I I knew he was getting ready to go, and then he ended up disappearing, and we unfortunately went down, and I regret that. And I think the best part was, I keep thinking I probably shouldn't have come back to Tramir, and mm-hmm. that's it was my my heart over my head, yeah. and it's not because I didn't want to play for the club again. It just wasn't a right place for me and the way the club was going at the time with that leadership. Not the not the Palioses, they've they they've done well and they've obviously they spoke to me the right way and they didn't understand things that had been told to me. Yeah. They they were led to believe that no, it was no. all me that was making it all happen. And it's kind of funny when I when I spoke to Mark after the season and explained to him what had gone on with the manager. He he didn't know that had happened. So but the thing is, I, I I came back because I thought it was the right thing, and it ended up not being that. And I regret that. And I, I hope, and I know that some fans will be a little bit fickle because they they didn't know me before. But I hope there's not a lot of bad feeling between <coughs> some of the newer generation of fans and the fact that I came back and I was shit, <laughs> to be honest. But uh, it's it's mad because I come off one of the best seasons of my career. And I know people say, oh, yeah, you were playing in India, but I played every minute of every game in 40-degree heat and felt fit as a fiddle. But, ah, well, lots of regrets. Not regrets, but lots of lots of little mistakes that I made over the years, and I look back on them now that I've got so much time and I, I see um, that moving, I could have done things differently. Moving away from your, your tramway career, obviously you then um, went back over to India. Um I mean, some of the names that you played with over there were, were very, very impressive. Um, what what did you make of it out there then, in terms of standard, infrastructure, fans, etc.? And how did it come about? Um, it, it, it's mad how it came about. Um, I'd literally... Uh, Leicester had just been promoted to the Prem. And there was a... A guy doing, I guess Andy May, he was doing a like a freelance bit for 
for Sky Sports and Leicester City, but he was doing it with uh, TSN in Canada. So they're like, well, why not speak to a Canadian who played for Leicester? And so we just got in touch and he actually came out <coughs> and he came on to came to the world and we were out in New Brighton. I think it was New Brighton or Hoylake. We were out at the at the beach and just did a piece on the, the prom and ended up chatting afterwards and he's like, have you heard about this? He goes, I got offered to go out and do some media out there and I can't because I've just agreed for, I think he agreed for BT for the following year. And we were just talking about Leicester City and he's, he just gave me this guy's number. So I went went home, spoke to the wife, said, what do you think? That they might not want me. Like, who knows? Because they've got all these names coming in, they might not want me. So I gave the number to my agent, found out, and they're like, fuck yeah, like, no Canadians here, so we'd, we'd love to have you out. And it wasn't for money. And the first year, especially, was bang average. Um, probably would have made as much back home. But I was 30 years old, and I was having to call around. Like, 30 years old and played, like, about 500 games, and I'm having to chase around for the trial. I'm like, fuck that. Can't be asked. Like, I, I just didn't have it. And it was becoming a business. It was becoming a like a very political uh, trying to get in places. Oh well, and then everything. Everyone looked at me and they're like, "Oh well, how are you after your head?" Well, two hundred fifty games later, I'm all right. Like, so it was. I just got fed up with the UK as far as football went, and I just got this opportunity. So I thought, you know what? I said to my wife, said it's only three months. So I literally went out there at the end of August. I was back by Christmas. And I'm like, yeah, fuck it, let's go. And it, it literally went into a draft. So, like, all your foreign play your domestic players were in a draft. They got drafted to their teams. And then all your foreign players went into a draft, and they were drafted to their teams. And obviously you had your, your marquee players who were obviously not on a salary cap or whatever. So they would go to whoever wanted to pay them the most like Del Piero went to Delhi and Alano went to Chennai with Maserati and you had Perez at Goa you had Captavia at Northeast um, who else was there Trezeguet at uh, at FC Pune you had Luis Garcia at Calcutta and we had David James at Kerala but it was it was weird because David James was our coach as well and I went over there and he essentially brought in all foreign players who were British, which for me, I'm going 15 hours away and playing with British players who I knew. <laughs> so I'd like I'd played against Stephen Pearson before. I'd played with Jamie or Jamie McAllister at at Preston for a bit. I played against Michael Chopra. They, I played against David James. Um, so these guys, like it kind of, felt right i went out there and we hit the ground running we were we were expected to be the worst team in the league and we ended up making the final and losing in the 95th minute and statistically i didn't have a fantastic year I scored five and i think i assisted three or four but i got player of the year because i did what i do i go out there and i work my ass off and i want i bought into the culture i bought into the 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 Indian players and speaking to them and break, not taking them under my wing, but giving them some of the experience I've gained. 
and it went down well with the league the the production out there is always behind me and it's all British it's Russell Osmond John Helm uh, Paul Macefield like all these guys who they've been in the game for years and they're they respected what I was doing and in turn the league and everybody did and it was it was a it was a good first year and then the next five uh, the next four years went really well and I just loved it out there um listen I don't eat curries I don't eat, eat all I'm not one of those guys who goes out and eats a, an Indian takeaway every night and but you were treated well out there you were you were in five-star hotels you were looked after well um the investment like the I don't know if you've seen the the company or the the guy who was rumored to be looking to buy Liverpool, the Ambani guy. It was kind of well. He's his family uh, founded yeah. and yeah, yeah. pretty much funded the the Indian Super League. So they they put a lot of money into it, um, and it's for the love of the game, which is which is amazing. And the infrastructures there are growing year to year, like they're in year seven now, I believe, or year eight. Um, and they're they're putting crap loads of money into their academies and into like international academies, and they're getting involved with uh, with affiliations with clubs and like uh, Mumbai City just been affiliated with Man City with the the City Group. Um, there's a couple others out there, and it's it's the way forward, and they're doing so well with it. And the the standards gotten better and better. The national teams gotten better and better. I think they got up to seventieth in the world at one point from a hundred and twenty. So their aim is to to help get India into a World Cup soon. And for me, it was something that was so left field, and I didn't know what it was about, and I just wanted an adventure. And it ended up being five of the the most enjoyable years of my career. So kind of worked out. Am I right in thinking as well? You yes. Steady on, Jimmy. While you're over there one year. Now, I, I, can you just clarify what's meant? Um, well, going to say clarify what's meant be by in, that. Just, uh... Like men's health, like fitness as in looking, walking in like that. I've never been like that, but um, no, it was, it was actually ironic. Um, and it was hilarious for me because I played with Kerala Blasters the first season. One player of the year, nearly won the league or the tournament. The next year, the whole so I was back, when I came back to Tranmere, I was sitting in the gym, like, I think it was round about March, April. So I was at Total Fitness on in Prenton, doing my, doing my thing because I was already exiled. Um, so I was training every day with Garno and the kids going up there and doing a session. And so I'd go home, have lunch, whatever, go up there, do a couple hour session and genuinely just try to get myself fitter just because I didn't want the, the scrutiny from that little tit. So I did that and I was constantly back and forth with the club but in, in India, like, listen, I don't think these this is, things are working out here thinking I want to come back next year what do you think oh 100% we want you we want you and they had to finalize by May 1st whether they were keeping a player or not and then you're open to the public essentially um, 
so we'd sat there for ages and we'd gone over for weeks and we'd, we'd come up with a contract. I was going to sign a one or two year deal on decent money, not fantastic, but it was more than enough that I needed. Um, and then they hired Peter Taylor. And we know his track record, apart from when he's at Hull and able to buy half of the league. Um, yeah, he's like, oh, I don't, I don't think Ian's fit enough. I don't want to spend that money on him. So I'm going to bring in two or three other players on his money. And yeah, that turned out well because I went to Calcutta, the team that beat us in the final. I went to Atletico de Calcutta. So we were a affiliate with Atletico Madrid. And perfect for me. I went there and I spent a month and a half in Madrid for my preseason. I was back home every weekend. So when we had two days off, I'd jump on an easy jet flight, 35 quid, straight into Liverpool, see my family, go back out. On the, the Monday morning at 6 o'clock, I'd be there in time for training. And the coach was fine with it. Did all that, played the whole season. I played every minute bar seven in 17 games, 16 games, in the space of three and a half months. And, yeah, one fittest player of the year because... Evidently, I wasn't fit enough, according to Peter Taylor, because his mastermind Premier League head. Um, but but saying that, he got fired. So he was the first ever sacking in the the Indian Super League, which was comical. I guess you could say it was fitting. Um, <laughs> yeah, hey. fit like a glove. <laughs> but the thing is, he brought in he brought in a bunch of players, and I feel bad because like uh, Peter Ramage was out there. Um, incredible, did incredible out there, captain the team, brought him out to Kerala, brought in Stephen Bywater, brought in uh, Sanchez Watt, uh, Antonio German. I don't know if Antonio was there that year, actually, but um, Steve, Chrissy Dagnall. So Chrissy Dagnall went out there. So he replaced me with all those. And remember Marcus Williams played left back for Reading and Scunthorpe and that? Um, but yeah, I brought them all out there and half of them got injured. So it was kind of ironic that he was worried about my fitness and I played every bloody minute and finished second in the goals, team of the year, should have got the final. Um, and yeah, he was gone by, I think, November. So it worked out well. And I felt bad for Peter Ramage and Chrissy Dagnall because they worked their, their stones off out there, but the others just didn't. And they they rested on the the massive fan base that Kerala has. Like it's insane. The Kerala fans are mental. Uh, if you follow their social media, check up on their game the other day. It's bedlam. It's amazing. What kind of crowds are they pulling in? So, no, they were getting sixty odd thousand every every game, and it's all wearing yellow bad. and just mental and. It, it's it's phenomenal oh, and to be honest yeah it's but again it's always going to be second sport to cricket like similar to Canada with hockey I was going to say if it gets anywhere near the level of cricket gets it it's going to be huge because the cricket over there is yeah, it's a religion um, but no it was phenomenal to be out there and to do that and then I moved to Calcutta and Calcutta they're the hub the original hub so if you look it up 
uh, East Bengal Mohambagan. It's one of the oldest and most most fierce rivalries in world football. And now they've both come into the uh, the the ISL, and yeah, it's the same thing. Um, so the team I played for is now joined with Mohambagan. So it's ATK Mohambagan. They're trying to get rid of ATK. They're very touchy over that. Um, I don't know Mohambagan. I never played for them. I played for ATK. Um, East Bengal's in the league as well, and it's growing. It's getting better. Um, the quality's getting better. They've stopped bringing in as many big-name players because financially it was costing them a crap load for what was getting brought on the field, like bringing in the likes of Forlan. Freddie Lundberg played about 60 minutes in a, a season. Nicholas Anelka, um, phenomenal, by the way. The guy's a joke. Um, when, he, when, he, when he wanted to, you couldn't get near him. He was he's six three, like big build, relatively big, but looks really skinny in the prem, but he's huge. And these guys, it was it was it was like playing a game of FIFA. Like I played one game. We were playing and there was on one field against Chennai, there was Elano, Mikel Sylvester, Bernard Mendy, My word. Alessandro Nesta, Gosh. Marco Materazzi. That's mental. In one, in one team. Like, how is this fucking, like... It's a FIFA team, gosh. Um, but it, but it, for me, like, Nesta's one of the best top five centre-backs ever. Ever. Absolutely. And then you've got Alano, who was only 33, 34 at the time. And, like, Bernard Mendy was a beast. What a guy. Me and him kicked lumps out of each other for... We, I think we played four times that year. <laughs> And we kicked mm. the shit out of each other, but it was it was fun. But it wasn't it wasn't dirty. So it was like he'd muscle me one time, and then I'd get the better of him one time, and I'd help him up or what. And it was just it was just fun. And he's the type of person. But then you got Matarazzi was just a dirtbag. All he did was kick people. So we we played them in the semifinals. They knocked us out. Um, we played them in the semifinals, and they just said like kick the shit out of the players like it's it's going to be a tough game so the first season when I was at Kerala that was him he was he was the head coach and player and we beat them 3 nothing in the first leg and they literally said their team talk was kick them off the fucking park yeah. Yeah. and it's like it shows respect <laughs> at least um, it's just fair doesn't it yeah, but just like playing against some of those players, like John, I've got folks, Lucio, another one, and for me, Lucio. and one of the top, one of the top five center backs of my generation, anyways. And then you got John Arisa, you got uh, played against Adrian Mutu, uh, Momo Sissoko, Sim Al Sabrosa. He went out to ATK, didn't he? That's the year I did my knee. Yeah, that was the year I did my knee because Ryan Taylor went out as well. So Ryan Taylor was there at the same time as him. Uh, Robbie Keane, David Cottrell, they were all at uh, ATK together. I'd, I'd moved back to Kerala then. So it was just after we'd won the, the league, I went back to Kerala and that's when I did my ACL. Um, so never never played against them, but it, it's, it's a mad one because I was, I was injured, so we travelled over. And... The team goes like three hours before the game because traffic and whatever. And me and a couple of the other guys who weren't in the squad, I'm not going to name names, but 
um, also some of the staff and people who work behind the scenes and we're like, we're not going to go now. Like, I'm not allowing the change room. So I'm not going to go over and <laughs> we ended up sitting at the bar in the hotel until about an hour before the game. Got over, got up to the game and I went, lo and behold, when I get there, they were presenting me with the player of the week from the week before. <laughs> search on my social media is a couple of years back and you're just fooling I guess I'm just trying to <laughs> but it's funny because I played that, that year I, I was playing with Wes Brown and uh, uh, Dimitar Berbatov um, yeah that don't, it's not as wow as you think it is trust me Dim, uh, Wes, Brown, Wes Brown was fucking amazing one of the nicest lads I've met in football and he's one of the most decorated in Britain but the other side not not so much um, but uh, yeah so it was I just, I just on my ACL so I was in a brace and walking around and we're sitting in the bar and end up showing up at the game we got there like two minutes before the kickoff because traffic in India is mental even with, a, even with an escort so by the time we got there and everything, fuck, three feet to the wind, didn't know where we were going. And it was fucking awesome. But the thing is, I, so yeah, I, was, I was meant to be a player. Um, but no, it, was, it is what it is. And I'm like, listen, I'm not involved. I'm not in the bench. I'm not in the, the change room. I'm not on the bench. I'm not allowed. So, okay, whatever. <laughs> Sounds like a, a typical away game for a Tranmere fan, that Ian. <laughs> um, it's it's some career that you've had, Ian, and, and we're absolutely made up that you've you've come on today. If it's all right with you, um, could we finish off with a bit of a quick fire round? Um, some are football related, some not so much. Uh, first one: favorite boots of all time. Mercurial vapors. I can't pinpoint any individual ones, but. Up until up until the last couple of years, the Mercurial Vapors were the best. Not the, uh, as soon as they started putting socks on them and changing the material, they went to shit. Yeah, I was never quick enough to pull a pair of them off. I have to say, I was. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm yeah. I'm the lack yeah, of big speed was well. for the Vapors. Um, <laughs> well, did you? Yeah, did lack you of everything. Out, Eyesight. Someone had to turn turn me to the right goal some days. Did you come out to the? Uh, the charity match between the Legends and uh, Widow Radio at Heswell a couple of years ago. I was yeah. fucking yeah. flamed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, seriously, I was... That, that, that was when they first changed the mercurial boots to the the new, yeah. the new material and I didn't really yeah. like them but still banged a hat-trick. It was fucking class. <laughs> <laughs> can't have been that bad then <laughs> uh, second one then um, any pre-match superstitions or any like habits before the game very very superstitious uh, with my prep for games and everything game game day left foot has to go in everything first whether it's socks boxers pants shoes um, I trim my toenails before every game doesn't matter if I've trimmed them two days before and I file down my toes um I tend to wear the same undersocks, boxies, or sloggies, or whatever it is. Last out the change room all the time. Um, 
becomes an issue when there's a lot of people now have that in their game. Um, but it's it's little things like that. I've done it my whole career, so I've never I'm not going to change it. And um, even now, still still playing for my local team, even though I'm even though I'm gaffer. I still have to do my toenails and left foot, everything, even if I'm not, a, even if I'm not on the bench, I have to do it. It's just creature. I'm a creature habit. I did that before the podcast, me. Jimmy does that to their own so much. Where you and another player are about to be last out of the changing room. Have you had to sort of walk out together at the same time, or how was that? Me and a team, me and a team of Hutchinson with Canada. Right. We've been best. We've been best friends for so long. We've known each other since we were seven. But we've both got the same superstition. So what we'll do is, if we're both starting, one will get one half, one will get the other, and or we walk out together, and it's weird. But it's it's one of those. And the best part is when you're seniority at, at other at clubs, and they're like, oh, I need to be out last. No, you fucking don't. <laughs> you, know, you know what you can do? You can be out second last, and I'll be right there. <laughs> <laughs> It, it's it's just one of those. It's just something I've always had in myself, and the only one I let away with it is Steve Hutchinson. <laughs> uh, right, next one. Biggest name in your phone contacts? <laughs> oh shit! Probably Wes Brown. Yeah. I just. Class. Uh, um. Yeah. I don't have any others. Class champ. Premier League. Yeah, I don't have any others. Not many. Not many oh, Mank. Man. Former Mank players I've got in my phone. Uh, let me see what else have I got down here. Uh, right, if you didn't make it as a professional footballer and you could be a professional at any other sport, what do you think you'd, you would have had a good tracker? Fucking hell. Um, I'd, uh, I'd have probably, I wouldn't have been professional at it, but I probably would have pursued basketball. I played basketball a lot when I was younger. Um, hence my athleticism with my jumps when I was younger. Um, yeah. Obviously, I stopped growing, uh, so I was no longer a threat. Uh, but no, that yeah, it's, I feel you there. Fucking, I have to jump to open up fucking doors now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> At least you can open. Jimmy's been doors. stuck in that room for twenty-eight years. He's looking well though. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like T-Rex arms, nah, mate. Probably, like, the, only, the only other game I would have been there since lockdown, hasn't he? If I was younger and started playing, I might have tried hockey. But when it was when it was football and it was football and basketball, I was in. Um, yeah. In school, I did everything else. I did volleyball, baseball, track and field, all that. But it would have been basketball. Basketball, I played every minute, every day when I wasn't playing footy. Class. And uh, last one then. Um, the best. Well, to be fair, I think you answered this earlier on. But the best player to ever play in your position by yourself, obviously. God. The best player to ever. No, I didn't answer it. The best player to play centre forward is not Messi. The best player, number nine, ever, and this is up for debate, but I'll tell you you're wrong, is Ronaldo. The Ronaldo. Yeah, the best, number nine the world has ever seen. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. 100%. Phenom. I agree. Um, I agree with that. Frightening Ronaldo. If he didn't do his knees. Yeah. At such a young age, it's phenomenal. Who knows? But, phenomenal. Yeah. Hey, listen, we've got yeah. Erling Haaland's gonna go and try and break everybody's records. You got Ronaldo, was incredible at Real Madrid and Man United. 
Messi's been incredible. Neymar's been incredible. But for me, Ronaldinho was incredible. But for me, the Ronaldo was fucking... Yeah. Well, they, there's a reason players call them the, the Fino. Something else, wasn't it? He's phenomenal. Really the guy is a fucking disgrace. Yeah. Left foot, right foot, strong, good in the air, yeah. could move. Just had he was he was an absolute beast. Is it, is it, he scored. Is it a hat trick at Man U? Yep, in, a hat trick at Man U. Yeah, well, I was gothing when I did that. Yeah, he got Madrid hat trick in the. Uh... Yeah. You guys clapped off, yeah. 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 Not many players. No, they didn't. Didn't clap off the other year, did they? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> 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 yeah. No. No. A bit of a stretch. <laughs> nah, but it's nah. The guy was a joke. He was he was so good to watch, and I haven't watched. I'm gutted I haven't watched his his documentary yet. El Presidente. I want to watch that. He's, yeah. he's, at, he's at Valladolid and he's very good friends and you'll see the guys in a lot of the pictures with him. He has like a goatee and that. I played with him in, in India. Borja, Borja Fernandez Fernandez. Um, he, he was in the uh, Galacticos with him. So he was a young kid coming through the Galacticos and some of the stories he told me about this guy. <sighs> Incredible. And I know they're not going to be on the documentary. <laughs> all the time until his injuries obviously he came back to bite him but he lived his life and you have the same with Ronaldinho you have the same with do you remember Adriano you have the same yes. oh. so like that's it like these guys did that they, they they lived their life but had fun doing it and it comes back to bite some of them some of them it doesn't Cool. I've got one final question if you don't mind uh, quick fire one the answer might be the same for both of them uh, your predictions who's going to win the World Cup and how well are Canada going to do I'd love to say Canada's going to win it but I, I'm not I'm not stupid um, I'd love them to and I wish they would but I'm not going to put that on them um, it's, a, it's really a tough one this, this World Cup I think France are going to be up there again Belgium um, if they get past Canada, could be good. Why, why are you laughing? <laughs> no, Belgium will be up there. Depends if Lukaku shows up and gets fit. And if if Lukaku's on form, it's a problem for everybody because the players he's got behind. Yeah. Um, De yeah. Well, you, you De Bruyne, how, or he's, what's his face? Hazard. Hazard yeah, that, he's not shit either. Um, <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. I I think I'd love the, the one I'd love to see, if not Canada, I'd love to see Argentina win it. Uh, just because I know it's yeah, going to be Messi's last last swan song. Um, Brazil's going to be up there again. Um, Germany could surprise people. Um, I know it's a real tough yeah, one to call this one, isn't it? It's a really tough this one. Is, to this is up there with one of the hardest ones to call for me. Um, England going to be England and. They're going to scrape through and do well and then bottle it. But I, I'd love them to win it. No, I genuinely love them to win it because I spent most of my life there. Um, my wife and kids are English. My wife's family's all there. So I've I've got as much allegiance to England as I have anybody, to be honest. Um, people grumble because I say that, but 
I'd, I'd love them. I'd love them to do well. I just as long as they find a new fucking song, if they do it. <laughs> Genuinely, please. Like I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, I've got, a, I've got a, my team here, and <laughs> fucking, it's coming home and all that shit. Stop it. But again. It's, yeah, it's, it's doesn't really work when the women won the Euros back in the summer as well. It's a bit like, you know, but technically you need to come home because that's the whole point well, of the song. The but we're going to roll it out again Cass for another Michael, World Cup. Michael saying, what do you mean it's coming home? You've never won the Euros. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's quite clever. But, no, yeah. it's going to be, it's gonna be a wrong? very hard that's... one to call. Um, as far as Canada, I, I, <laughs> I say this to a lot of people and seriously, and if we're 100% fit, anyone can beat anybody. And if our top players play to their best and Belgium or Croatia or Morocco have a bad day, I genuinely think we'll get points. I think if we... Yeah. Yeah. We've never scored in the World Cup, so first and foremost, I want us to score a goal, we've, which means we've never had a point in the World Cup, which... I'd love us to get a point. That's where we... It's just building blocks. And we... If we get a point, who's to say we can't get three? Who's to say we can't get four? Who's six? Whatever. It's going to be tough. You're in the World Cup. It's called the World Cup for a reason. You're against the best teams in the world. So Canada being there, first and foremost, is the best part. And I'm going to... Even next week, if they go and touch what they don't get humped, I'm still going to be wearing my Canada kit. I'm still going to be having a beer with my Canada kit on and my shirt and my jacket and all that. I don't care because I'm celebrating our country achieving something special. Um, but I genuinely, genuinely think we're going to surprise a couple of people. And I'm not saying we're going to go out and, and be a Mexico and go and beat top teams. We're, we can do it. I'm not going to say we're going to, but I think we'll surprise some people with our performances. We have to keep everyone set though. No, I genuinely yeah. 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 I genuinely think you'll make out the groups. I think you've got enough pace in the attack and to play on the counter to to beat some of the more quote unquote established teams who might be a little bit more aging in the defence now. You know, cock Belgium cock. Um so I do I do genuinely think I'm not just saying that because you're on. I I do think the likes of you and Croatia will come off that group. But then that's that could be a prediction that stitches me up when Belgium go and win the bloody lot. So I've been known for making I'm known for making shit predictions all the time. I know it's only come on. I don't know. But that's that's but that's the thing. Like I, I genuinely think this World Cup is gonna be the hardest one to call. Um I think like I said before, I think the game has developed that much that every team's developed in the same bloody way. And it's it is like watching chess games. Like you see what Hungary was doing in the Nations League. Like, come on. And but that's it. They weren't mm -hmm. special, but they were. It's like what Iceland did the other year. Like it's it's happening a lot, and these teams are understanding how to break down systems and stop systems from being effective. And Canada did the same thing through qualifying. We we outplayed the teams that outplay everybody. So that's what I mean. Going into this. Fingers bloody crossed. I hope we do. I hope we do something. I hope we surprise the world a little bit. I'm not asking for the World Cup to come home with them, but I hope we surprise and and put our names on the map fully. 
Well, I think you got four lads here who are going to back Canada as a second team because let's face it, it's not the bloody Welsh, is it? No. <laughs> as long as they nah, don't they, win it. Um, they're not winning it. We can't, we can't, we can't have, we can't have happy Wrexham fans. We can't have. Hey, they've got to <laughs> Absolutely not. No chance. That's it. What more do they exactly. want? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No. They made their they've choice. They've had their lot now. <laughs> Well, Ian, on um, on everyone's behalf, I think, uh, first of all, a massive thanks for giving up your time. I know there's been a couple of technical issues and we've kept you chatting for a whole hour longer than we said. Um, but thank you very, very much for coming on. And um, if we've not put you off, then hopefully it's yeah, some point in the future we can get you back on and me dig on, into guys. some I'm, of those I'm stories sorry about the technical further. issues. I'm up in my bedroom and I've, I've got a, a signal booster, so that probably is the problem. But I'll... I'll make sure I'm not up here next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Thank you very much, Ian. And we'll speak to you later soon. Thank you very much, Ian. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Podcast Network.